Well, today we're going to begin a, a brand new series uh, in the book of James. Uh, if you've been in church a while, you've probably read it, gone through it, heard it, uh, but it, it makes a lot of sense to, to launch the new year uh, with, with how do I actually live out my faith in a very practical, everyday kind of ways, and, and that's what the book of James uh, is all about. James uh, was the half-brother of Jesus. Uh, he led the Jerusalem church uh, after Peter did, and if you know a little bit about the New Testament, he didn't initially believe that Jesus was the Messiah. Uh, he and his family had their doubts uh, about Jesus. Uh, but Paul, as he writes, later confirms that, that James uh, came to an understanding that Jesus was the Messiah, the Savior, uh, after Christ's resurrection. And so after he has this encounter with the resurrected Christ, uh, he leads uh, Christian Jews uh, and others uh, into mature living. And that's what the book of James is about, uh, about what does it mean to, to live mature, complete, whole. Uh, and we're going to dive right into that uh, today as we look at uh, how he starts the book. If I was writing you a letter uh, or you're writing me a letter, which we don't really do anymore too much, but if I were to do that, I probably wouldn't start it uh, like James starts his letter, uh, but uh, we're going to see what it means to, to become mature and complete uh, followers of Christ. And uh, as we think about who we are as First Baptist Friends would, uh, one uh, of our key components to our vision statement uh, is strengthening families. Uh, we want to be disciple-making missionaries who strengthen families, love neighbors, and transform the community with the gospel. Uh, but strengthen families is one of those key components. And if you were here during the fall, uh, we went through 1 Samuel. And on the surface, 1 Samuel is really all about sort of David and Saul and kind of the battle uh, of David being the anointed one, Saul losing his uh, kingship eventually uh, and dying. But, but intertwined in all of that are a great number of theme, themes that help us focus on our family and, and what our family should be about. Things like uh, the prayer of a mother, that the book launches with a, a prayer of Hannah. That, that all moms uh, want to pray for their kids, uh, born and unborn. It, it, it talks about listening to the right voices. Whether you're 13, 33, or 63, you need to listen to the right people. And you need to help those around you listen to the right voices. It's also about asking for the right things. Uh, we ask for a lot of things, but not always the right things. And that's helpful in our family dynamic that, that we would ask for the right things, that we would understand the consequences of sin because they're real. They may not show up immediately, but they're real. And, and then if you remember, uh, David was best friends with Jonathan and ended up marrying Jonathan's sister, Michael. That's a woman. And their dad happened to be Saul, the king who didn't just not like David tried to murder him. Like, how's that for Thanksgiving and Christmas? Well, they didn't have Christmas yet. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's true. It's true. But family gatherings were tough. And so how do we, how do we interact with family dynamic when things aren't always perfect? How do we honor those who are against us? That was David as he dealt with King Saul. 
And so as we think about where we've been this past fall and as we look ahead to the new year, it's appropriate for us to look at James because James just kind of continues those ideas of if you and I are going to live out uh, not just in a family of faith, but as a biological family, uh, how are we going to live out our faith in an authentic way in front of others, in front of our classmates, uh, in front of our coworkers, in front of our friends in the neighborhood, in front of our family who may or may not believe in Jesus Christ? And, and so the book of James helps us do that. It's practical wisdom uh, on living a faith-filled life. And so if you've got your Bible open, hopefully you've gotten to James by this point uh, after that long introduction. Uh, We're going to be in James chapter 1 right at the beginning, and we're going to read the first uh, few verses of James. It says this in verse 1, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in dispersion, greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Now here's the funny thing about the book of James. James, his name, actually should be translated Jacob. What we call James, his original Hebrew name should be translated Jacob, but the translators decided, no, we like James better. So his name is James. So there's a tidbit you can tell all your friends and they'll just look at you oddly and you can move on. But as James writes this and opens the, the, the book, the letter, he describes himself in a very specific way. He doesn't say greetings from James the just, the one who came from the same womb as the Messiah. He doesn't say James, the brother and confidant of Jesus the Christ. He doesn't say James, the elder of the Jerusalem church. He doesn't say all those things that we sometimes might do when we introduce ourselves because we've gained the authority, the experience, the position, the education, whatever it is. Sometimes it's hard not to do that. But rather than say all those things because James had sort of become that, he had become the leader of the church No, he describes himself as a bondservant, a slave, the slave of God speaking to the 12 tribes. He didn't say, hey, uh, it's James, pay attention. Do you know who I am? I'm the brother of Jesus. I've got something to say. Sometimes that's how we walk into the room. Expecting people ready to listen to us because we have letters before or after our name, because we have a certain title, we have a position, uh, we have experience that we've earned, and yet here's the one who simply called himself a servant 
a bondservant, a slave of God, that he would speak to those who had claimed the name of Jesus and now want to follow him who have been scattered all across the known world. And so he says to these 12 tribes, which there's some debate on who he's actually speaking to. Is it just the nation of Israel, just those Christian Jews? The problem is his Greek language is so awesome and good that uh, people believe that he was trying to appeal to Greek audience as well. Maybe he was saying this is to the church who represents the, now represents the, the true tribe of Israel. But whoever it is, He begins with a very strange encouragement. Count it all joy. Consider it all joy when you experience trials, difficulties, hardship. It's like you need to evaluate. Hey, right off the bat, I'm a bondservant. Uh, Count it all joy when you experience various trials. Now, that would not be the way I would write a letter to you. That, like, I wouldn't write a letter to you, probably. Um, I would send you an email or a text message. And so if it was a text message, it would be like the fourth thing that I said. Hey, how you doing? Happy New Year. Hope all's well. Oh, hey, by the way, hang in there when things are tough. That's what it would be. It wouldn't be off the bat, count it all joy when you experience trials, when you meet trials, when difficulty and challenge come your way. When you fall into struggle, this is not the kind of struggle and hardship and difficulty and trial that you create on your own because lots of us create difficulty for ourselves. It's self-imposed difficulty. That's not what James is talking about here. This is not the, oh, I messed up because I'm a fallen sinful person and it's my fault. Uh, I'm going to count it all joy. No, you need to be convicted of your sin And let God restore you. These moments are moments when you meet, like you come upon a difficult situation. Consider it, count it, calculate, evaluate the joy that you have. You need to be ready for them. You need to be expecting them. Trials and difficulties of all kinds, various kinds, many kinds are coming your way. It's not if, it's when. When you meet trials of all kinds. So here's the truth about the Christian life. If you value comfort more than character, trials will haunt you. They'll haunt you. Difficult times, hardship, they'll haunt you. And and so let me be very clear, James is writing to a Christian audience these are people who claim the name of Jesus. They follow after Christ. And if, if you're a Christian and you value comfort more than your character, trials and difficulties will haunt you. You'll have a rough life. Because James says, count it all joy when these things happen. Because they will happen. He's urging his readers who already have the joy of Christ to count up all the, way they, all the ways they have joy in the middle of that trial. And guess what? The longer you live, the more counting you get to do. 
Like that's the crazy thing. Mo- most of us, when we were 15, 16, sitting in this section here, we're like, man, life is tough. Everybody in every other section would give their right arm to go back to that section and endure those trials. We'd all do it. Like we, we, we would go back to those days because the older we get, the longer we live, the more joy we get to count because life doesn't get easier. It doesn't get more comfortable. It, it, the trials get bigger. The, the trials sometimes are more frequent. And even if they're not more frequent, they probably have greater consequence. And so the struggle is every time I've read this, because I've read this passage dozens and dozens of times. Every time I read it, there's one truth that sort of jumps out at me. Because joy is probably my favorite word. But I don't rejoice for trials. I don't rejoice for trials, but I can rejoice in trials. I, I, don't, I don't get excited and say, oh, Lord, thanks so much for a leak that we had this morning, thanks to the rain. I don't get excited about that and run upstairs and wake Evan up before he wanted to wake up. I don't rejoice that two weeks ago we had two pipes burst. Oh, hey, all right, God, thanks again. Man, thank you. I I just, I can't wait to see what the February cold brings. Because, you know, it'll be, you know, we have two seasons typically here in in Texas, summer and February. We just got a little early this year in late December. It'll come again. God, I don't rejoice for, I don't get excited for those things, but I can because I already have the joy of Christ. I can calculate the joy in the trial. We can rejoice in the trial. And as James is sharing with his readers, he's anticipating that they'll experience joy at the end of the trial because they had joy at the beginning of the trial. And if you have joy at the beginning of trial because you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then you'll experience joy in and through the trial and you'll come out and have joy on the other side. That's what he's getting at. Is that if you begin with joy, you'll end with joy. But if you don't have joy at the beginning, forget it. You can't. It's heartache and struggle. Because you cannot count it all joy if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because you know that the testing of your faith, that's the prerequisite, is that I have faith in Jesus Christ. Because I have faith in Jesus Christ, I can count it all joy in the midst of various trials. And that that testing of my faith produces steadfastness endurance. I love the word endurance. It's that ability just to hang in there, just to keep going. I only know of one person who's ever run a marathon without practicing, and I only learned about that person a few weeks ago thanks to the wonders of social media. 
This guy bet his friends that he could run a marathon and not train at all. And you know what? He did it. That's unbelievable. 26.2 miles. He probably lives in the north where it's a little cooler. I wouldn't want to do it, you know, here in the summer, but he did it. But most of us wouldn't dare wake up and I don't know what they call it now. It used to be the Houston Tenneco Marathon. I don't know what they call it now because, you know, everything changes. I, I would never wake up and say, oh, hey, because the one thing it's on a Sunday usually, let's head downtown and go for a run. No way. No way. I, I couldn't imagine waking up and getting my my biker shorts and, and uh, my bike that's 20 years old and saying, hey, let's go do an Ironman. I like to swim. It's just, let's hit, hit the road. No. There's something that you have to build to that. That's endurance. Building up. And that's what James is saying here. That your faith produces that endurance. Because I already know that the, the battle is won. The eternal battle. We, we sang about it all this morning. That, that I don't have to worry about the temporary. I, I can endure the temporary because my faith is strong. Because I know the end result is that, that I'll be mature, complete. But even if I don't make it through the trial, I know that my reward is great. I can endure. I have endurance. And the readers and the listeners to this message, they know it too. Because they've experienced it. Persecution, calamity, heartache. And you've experienced it. A car accident, the death of a family member, loss of a job, a childhood illness. Maybe you've been robbed, literally. You've been rejected for your faith. We, we all have these trials that we go through, health issues, family struggles. It produces endurance. It produces steadfastness. The testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And he says, for you know that. You know it's going to happen. Well, how do you know that? How do I know that my faith is going to produce steadfastness? Well, we know if we believe God's word, if we believe that Jesus Christ is who he says he is, we know that our faith is going to be tested. Right? We, we know. We don't have to read very long in the, in the scripture to know that our faith is going to be tested. But the testing of our faith, the testing of our lives should bring out the best in our faith. And, and unfortunately, sometimes when we are tested, it brings out the worst in us. And James is trying to combat that. That when we're tested, it brings out the worst in us. We get snippy. We fly off the handle. We fight or flight. Some of you are ready to fight. Others of you are like, I'm out. And so we just ditch everything. And James is like, no, let steadfastness take hold of you, that endurance. And the reason why I know that is because God is for me. He's not against me. I know that God is for me. And if God's for me, then I can endure. 
And I know that, that God's for me and he wants me to be, become more like Jesus Christ and so I'm going to endure. I'm going to endure. I'm going to walk through these challenges. I'm going to walk through these difficulties. And I'm going to walk with a courageous perseverance. Because I know on the, on the backside I'll be wiser and stronger. And I wish beyond anything that after today and this, you know, 32 minutes that we've been together, that I've been talking about this, that you'll have it down perfectly. Oh, we got our lesson and our message on endurance and joy. Check. Like, I wish that could happen. I wish those of you that are in the Sunday school class, that I think want at least one Sunday school class, you're going to the book of James also, that after that lesson and this today, you're... You're mature and perfect. 58 minutes, 62 minutes, you've got it down. That's what I wish, that we could teach a lesson and we would all learn by that lesson, hey, endurance is, is good. Faith is wonderful. I'm mature and complete. I've got joy all the time. No matter what comes my way, I'm going to count it all joy. I wish that were the case. The, the, the difficulty is that's not how it works. You actually have to go through life. You have to meet the trial so that you can have the opportunity to, to trust in your Savior. You can have the opportunity to obey and follow him, even when it's difficult to do so. That we would surrender our will to his so that when it says, let steadfastness have its full effect. Full effect. Like work completely, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. I want to grow from being a baby Christian to a mature adult, complete and perfect. Complete and perfect. Because testing should cause us to grow rather than grumble. And too often when things don't go my way, I grumble. I know I'm the only one. But we miss out on maturity. We miss out on development. We miss out on endurance. We miss out on an opportunity to share with someone else, look what God did. This is who I was and this is who I am. Because I want to be perfect. Because that's what James says we'll be, perfect. I want to be perfect. Most of us, I believe, though, are set, are, would settle not for 10.0. We settle for 7.2. Oh, good enough. Like better than average. If we're talking about looks, 7.2. Hey, not too bad. Could be worse. If we're talking about gymnastics, 7.2 is terrible. I, I want to be perfect complete, mature, 10.0. But we have to let steadfastness create its full effect in us. It would be people of endurance. And that when we walk into a trial, when we meet a trial of various kinds, that in that moment we would count all the ways that we have joy. 
not all the ways we're going to fix it, not all the ways we're going to get out of it, not all the ways that we can change it, not all the ways that it was somebody else's fault, because that's what we do naturally. Now I'm going to count it all joy so that I can persevere, so I can endure, so that I can allow steadfastness to take its full effect, that I would be mature and complete in the faith, lacking in nothing. That's what perfection is, lacking in nothing. Not perfect, 100%, you have no sin. That's not what James is getting at. That we would lack nothing in our faith. That's the goal. And so he launches his book telling you the goal, that you would lack nothing in your faith. And he's going to tell us how that happens the rest of the way. This is the what, the why is coming next. And so my prayer for each of us is that it would be people who live by faith, that would endure, that would be fully developed, fully mature followers of Jesus Christ, and that when you encounter a challenge or a struggle, that you would count it all joy. That's my prayer for us, that would be people of joy in the midst of a world full of chaos. Will you pray with me?